Today on the podcast, we have Amir from The Dental Build. He is one of the most knowledgeable people I know in regards to absolutely everything there is to do with the ground up build of a practice. I have firsthand knowledge of him saving folks hundreds of thousands of dollars just based on his knowledge. It was a privilege to be in the car with Amir for the day as we explored the world of the practice build. This was just the beginning of our conversation for the day. I hope you enjoy listening. I learned a ton from this guy and I look forward to working with him more in the future. He asks me all the time, will you have pictures of some of the projects you've done? I'm like, yeah, I can show you pictures of of some of the things that we've built but you might not like them right that does that shouldn't reflect on me because i didn't design them but um you know everybody's got their own taste there are some offices that i've built that i don't like but the the client likes them yeah um You know, a lot of it also, unfortunately, comes down to budget too, right? Like that spa, for example, that was a very, very low budget build. That was a very difficult build in the sense that the location was hard, but also the budget was hard because there wasn't a lot to be able to, you know, get everything that she wanted into there. And we fit a lot into such a small space. Right. Like, it's crazy. So what would you recommend to somebody with like a tight budget? Then? What's, what's the most crucial thing for somebody like that? The biggest thing is when you, when you find a space, you need to have a qualified contractor view it as well to look for things like power, uh, HVAC, water supply, the sewer, sanitary, make sure that all of these base building items are installed by the developer or the previous tenant because those are things that should be there in order for us to do our our tenant improvement. If they're not, then those are just extra expenses over and above a typical build. So those are things that sometimes the the client won't be aware is missing from the space and they're going to have to pay for it in the end so like example this place didn't have an electrical panel we had to run an entire new feed so depending on how far away you are from uh, the main electrical room in the parkade that could be you know thirty thousand dollars no problem and that's just a expense that the client had no idea that they they were going to incur. Um, so it's really important to, before you sign that lease, before you purchase a space, is to have someone come through and take a look at it and ensure that all those things are, are in place and there's not going to be any unexpected expenses that are over and above a typical build. Right. So a good time to get in touch with somebody like you to get in there and who really knows what to look for? Yeah, so like we offer a service, it's complimentary. When you're looking for a space or you have a space in mind or you find a space, 
you know, just give us a call and I'll go there and I'll take a look at all everything for you and give you my opinion and I'll let you know if there's anything that that space needs or anything extra that we should be aware of down the road. Uh, in dental specifically, there's a lot of things that we have to <clears throat> be aware of, <clears throat> especially when it comes to the different types of construction. So we have two types of construction. Um, one's a suspended slab. So that's a concrete slab that's floating. It's, um, it's typically 10 inches thick and that would separate between floors of a building or between a parkade and a, and a retail unit. Um, then there's another slab which is called slab on grade. So literally right below the concrete there's dirt. It's about a 10 inch slab and then there's dirt or gravel. Um, when you encounter slab on grade, like this project we're going to now, it adds quite a bit of expense because we have to trench everything. We have to cut out a two foot trench throughout the entire place and, and remove all of that concrete, excavate, install all of our services, backfill, put reinforcing steel in between the slabs and then pour concrete and level that that off with the existing slab so versus just drilling holes through a suspended slab and bringing all your services up um, so there's a lot of little things that we can help when we go to site and we can determine if you know, if it's feasible for one. Sometimes a suspended slab might be too thick to core through. There might be slab bands. There might be too many uh, obstacles or structural steel that's in the way. Um, there could be post-tension cables in the building that we need to be aware of. And there's just a lot of little things that we look for that, you know, aren't typically on the client's radar when they're going to look at a space. They're more concerned about, you know, the location and the building and, you know, what it's going to look like for their clients to come or their patients to come there. Parking, they're not typically concerned about how hard it is going to be to actually build in that space have you have you ever had to tell anybody that it's just not possible <laughs> to put a practice in here oh yeah yeah i would say 90 percent of the time we we will find a way to make it work um there are ways to to get the services to the equipment like dental air and vacuum that's possible we do have techniques and abilities to do that without coring through the slab or cutting a trench in the slab but when it comes to sanitary so sewer drains for sinks or toilets that's where we become extremely restricted on where those can go just the guidelines in place bylaws or well no it there the plumbing code you know, we, you have to be a certain distance away from a, a main uh, drain um, for that, for venting and for actual, for the sink placements. 
So if you can't core in certain areas of the building, then you can't put a sink there. So when it comes to like uh, dental air and vacuum, we can run it surface through like a architectural bulkhead or through some sort of a millwork bulkhead. We can hide all those, but now you're gonna have an umbilical cord that goes from the, say the this bulkhead to the toe of the chair junction box. Um, but there have definitely been scenarios where I've told clients to walk away from a space. Um, it's just, it could work. I mean, everything is possible. It really just comes down to how much can you spend, right? Like, there's usually an option, but a lot of the time the budget really determines how far a client wants to go with that build. What, uh, what's the first place a uh, potential, you know, uh, somebody interested in building a new clinic, where, where's the best place to look for spaces? Where, where what do you recommend? Um, well, definitely talk to like a, a realtor who understands the demographic of the area that you're trying to target for your patients or for your clients. Um, is, is there a particular like uh, um, realtor that deals in this kind of commercial space? Is that a good start? Yeah, for sure. A lot of commercial realtors there are actually realtors who who um, specifically focus on on dental as well or medical practices. And they work with dentists and doctors and they find locations for them that are suitable to their needs. A lot of the time we're looking for like street level or ground level access. Um, especially since COVID, you see a lot of people trying to get away from elevators. Uh, elevator access has become a little bit more difficult especially when we had all the mandates in place and you could only have two two people per per elevator the lineups became really big in the lobbies of these buildings and it just took a long time for patients to get up there um, another thing we're looking at a lot now is in the usable square footage as well we're we're seeing a lot of reception areas become smaller and that's kind of due to COVID as well you're not having a lot of people sitting in the reception area waiting for their treatments they might be in their cars and they'll receive a text or something and they'll be called to to the clinic shortly before they're ready to go actually into their treatment so kind of more ideal situation anyways well for sure I mean you look at the cost of purchasing or leasing a space these days, uh, every square foot counts, especially in a dental office. If we can squeeze one more operatory in to make revenue generating square footage, then that's what we'll try to do. But I like that. Revenue generating square footage. Yeah, so revenue generating square footage is, you know, basically any square footage in in the building that's making you money. Your, your staff room's not making you money. Your reception area, 
is not making you money. I'm, it's nice to make it pleasant and welcoming to the patients because you might get some walk-ins who think right away like this place is amazing or it's beautiful and this is where I want to have my treatments done. It's just great. However, the physical size of it isn't making you any money. Right. Um, you're making the money in the operatories and that's where we try to fit as many as we can into a space. So I mean, if you can squeeze out another hygiene operatory and cut five chairs out of your, your waiting room, that's a more ideal situation to be in, especially, you know, I imagine being somewhere like downtown Vancouver where space comes at a very high premium. For sure. And a lot of these buildings now have, they have their own lobbies, like elevator lobbies on the main floor that might have big waiting areas for the, for the building in general use. So you can actually utilize that building's lobby with their seating in there to have your patients maybe wait before they come to your practice and sit in your waiting room. Which kind of like, it lessens the noise, it takes maybe some of the anxiety out. Like, yeah. Um, what about, uh, is, it, is it a good situation to get in before the building's even being built and, and work with, you know, the teams that are building the actual uh, building and facilities building. To, to like add the pieces in that you need as a dental clinic or a medical clinic? So we've done that before. Um, unfortunately, when you when you're trying to work with a building, of, especially of like multiple floors, they may have already submitted for their building permits, so they would have to submit for a revision, especially if they're uh, altering the plumbing or electrical to suit a tenant's needs or a, or a potential future owner. Um, so typically the developers and the builders of the base building would want the tenant or the owner to apply for their own building permit and just take care of everything themselves. In scenarios where you cannot cut open the slab because they're a structural slab and you can't, you can't cut them, you can't drill them, you can't alter them and they haven't been poured yet, we have worked with the developer and they've allowed us to install our services in that slab before they poured it. That was a pretty rare occasion, but typically we're going in and we're cutting open the concrete or we're drilling holes everywhere. Is there any, like any factions or any group strata that would stop a particular, you know, project like a dental practice from happening within a space like red tape yeah for sure I mean lots of when we apply for a permit there's typically the, the municipality will require what's called a strata letter of approval um, we have to submit plans to that strata and they review them and issue a letterhead stating that they have uh, approved the space in their building for a dental practice. There's a lot of strata bylaws that you have to abide by, and that may be 
like a competition clause. If there's already a dental office in their building or, or part of that strata, they may not allow a, another dental office in that strata. Uh, if the building's post-tension cable or they have any structural slabs that they don't want drilled or cut open, then they could not approve it. And without that letter of approval, we can't even submit for a building permit. So um, it's very important to, to try to get on board with the strata and, and find out if it's feasible or allowable in that building or space before you actually sign that dotted line. But a lot of stratas actually are pretty difficult to work with and they won't even talk to someone who's not the registered owner of the space. So you may have to get the existing owner of the space to talk to the strata and get their approval before. So like if you were a tenant and you were going to lease it or if you were going to purchase it off of someone, you'd have to get the old owner to talk to the strata. So maybe another another good first step is to really investigate, you know, any bureaucracy, red tape that you might encounter, like a terrible strata company. Oh, yeah. That will... Well, there's, there's definitely three things that you need to look into when you're looking at a space. One, have a contractor who understands what they're doing with dental. Um, come and view the space. Make sure it's feasible. Make sure that the holes can be cored or the slab can be cut where it's required to install all those dental services into the equipment locations. Two, talk to the, the strata to ensure that a dental practice is allowable in that space um, and that they're going to allow you to core or cut the slab for your dental services and for your sewers uh, sinks and toilets three make sure that the space is zoned for a dental office or a medical practice um, a lot of the time you may think that it's zoned but until you actually apply for permit and you submit your zoning inquiry you don't know so lots of municipalities actually have an uh, zoning inquiry that you can fill out before you apply and they'll send you a response typically within five to ten business days. Is there like a, a special type of zoning for just dental specific, being that there is special, you know, water needs and, and, and pressured air needs and all of all of that stuff, like coring and all that? Well, as far as zoning goes, every municipality has their own zoning bylaws, so that's kind of specific to each city or township um, as far as like dental air and vacuum and all that stuff those are typically installed in the practice and are self-contained within that building so you're typically going to have your own air compressor or your own vacuum supplying your own compressed air and your own um, suction but there are requirements for electrical for example we like to look for um, a minimum of a hundred amp three-phase service at 120 208 or 120 well like how many ops would that max like max with that kind of power capacity well 
as far as operatories go, it's, I mean, all we're really doing with operatories is adding some receptacles, not really a lot of draw on the panel. What bring, what, what draws the most? Uh, motors and heat sources. So, so the compressor, the compressor and the vacuum, those are going to be large loads. Um, another thing, a lot of people go straight to their main breaker in the panel and they look at it and they say, oh, good, it's a 100 amp three phase. We got lots of power. But they may not understand that the heating and air conditioning loads for that space are also coming off of that panel. And those are large draws. Heating and cooling might take up 30 to 50 amps right off the top. So now your 100 amp three-phase service is only actually a 50 or 60 amp three-phase service and you still have to add all of your equipment, all of your lighting, and all of your power into that space. So it's really important not just to look at that main breaker size, you have to look at the loads that are already coming off of that panel. Right, so you want dedicated power. Yeah, a lot of the time, like a lot of new buildings, they'll have hydronic heating, so they're actually heated by the base building, uh, heating and cooled by the base building. They'll have cooling towers and, and heat pumps throughout, and they're actually fed hot and cold water from base building to heat and cool the units. Um, so that power actually wouldn't come off of the space. They might just have a small internal blower fan, but a lot of the time they're, they have condensers outside or in the parkade or on the roof that are going to be drawing power for uh, heat pumps located inside of the unit. So we'll go into this one. This one's actually a rooftop unit. So we'll show you kind of what that means. Awesome. 